Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Oh, this is Patty Wyatt, your host today on Girlfriend It, and we are going to dive into some great stuff today. First of all, fear of the dark, monsters in the closet, it just anxiety about going to bed. These are all relatively common in young children at some point during their childhood. How we as parents or guardians address your child's fears and offer those bedtime smooches will affect his or her ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Going to bed and turning out the lights can be a hard time for many children. I know it was for my children, especially my my last born. It's very scary when you can't see what is around you and your mom and dad leave the room. So to help parents comfort and encourage their little ones at bedtime, award-winning author Champ Thornton has written, Why Do We Say Goodnight? Champ is a pastor at Ogletown Baptist Church in Newark, Delaware. He has pastored in South Carolina and served uh, as director of a ministry training school in Columbus, Ohio. He is also the host of In the Word on the Go. It's a quick 10-minute podcast for families, and he's the author of several books, including The Radical Book for Kids, which I believe, Champ, that was the one that we've had you on the show before, right? Is that yes. Back in 2017, that's right. In 2017. Oh, man, you're getting old, old champ. Not me, just you. Uh, just me, that's true. <laughs> you also wrote Pass It On, a Proverbs journal for the next generation, uh, Radically Different, a study guide to community, and now your your latest release is Why Do We Say Goodnight? So welcome, champ. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Patty, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here as well. And also... I- I saw on your bio that you enjoy hanging out with family and friends, drinking coffee, listening to music. So here you are. You're sitting here with us. Pretend you're on this big, huge velvet blue couch and you're hanging out with a bunch of girlfriends. And we're going to chat about all of those those fears um, that we've experienced as parents. And you see it um, so often with, with your your kids not being able to go to sleep at night. And I want to say this this really touches my heart because I had a child and I have her permission. So some of you listeners that get mad when I when I say secrets about my kids, it's like I've asked for permission. I'm allowed to go here because they know it helps other people. But she literally um, would come into our room even up until like sometimes when she was in high school mm-hmm. and there was so many, I was always digging into, you know, Googling, how do you get your kid to stay in their own bed? How do you get your kid to stay in their <laughs> own room? And it's hard if you have a child with a creative mind, lots of imag- imagination, um, it can be a difficult thing and you, you, you know, you feel like you're doing something wrong, but tell us a little bit about why you, what was your inspiration behind? Why do we say goodnight? Yeah. So my mom grew when I was growing up, uh, 
and even to this day, a lot of times when um, me and my three sisters are you know, leaving the house, we're going, heading back to our respective homes, she'll sometimes she'll just kind of say, well, good night, you know, or whatever, especially if it's at nighttime, because she uh, she's, you know, when you're family, you don't you when you're Christian family, you know, it's it's never goodbye. It's always good night, you know, and um <laughs> And th- that's just her way of reminding herself, you know, of like, you know, where we really belong and that our family is, uh, you know, we belong to Jesus. And uh, so thinking about that made me think about like, so why do we say goodnight? And initially, the first draft of this book was, why do we say goodnight? Because we never have to say goodbye. And uh, so I started writing this story and it, it really became more like, you know, I'm sad now that grandpa's gone to be with Jesus, you know, rather than uh, something about goodnight. And so that book would... That draft uh, never really made it out of the, out of the, the starting uh, point. So, <laughs> but the title kind of stuck. Why do we say goodnight? And I started thinking about um, my own children, and I have a child, and I'll try to be uh, gender neutral here to protect the guilty. Uh, <laughs> um, but I just child- claimed it. I right there with it's my last born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got permission, and I didn't, That's so true. I'm going to be a little true. guarded here. Uh, but this child, um, you know, let me say it this way with all, with all my children, I want to communicate with them at night if they're scared. And so some of the things we've talked about with them growing up have been that, you know, God is with them all night, um, that he's the good shepherd. Uh, as a family, we spent time memorizing Psalm 23, even when our kids were, you know, two and three years old. Uh, it's amazing what they can memorize. And, um, the fact that God made darkness, I mean, he, he made daytime and he made nighttime. This is part of his good plan. And uh, so to be thinking about things like that, and those things came together in this book uh, that tries to answer the question, why do we say that night is good? Why do we say good night? Yeah. You know, it's funny when you analyze just a lot of our English language and and it, it does go back generations after generations and we don't even realize it because it's become so habitual and we just... We just say it. Good night. And you don't consider um, what those two words, two simple words, you know, what we're even talking about. And and that's where in your book, which your book is lovely. Mm -hmm. It it really is. It's beautiful. And I I do wish I would have had this, like I said, for for um, my my last one um, to, you know, to even consider you. I I read a lot of, of, of books that, you know we have God woven into all of it, but you really do break it down here. And what are the three truths um, about God that you share in this book? Well, the book opens up with a mom and a daughter and the mom's tucking the little girl in bed and the mom says, good night. And the girl basically says, so, okay, time out. So you say, good night. Why is it good? Because you leave me all alone. It's dark. Mm. I can't see. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we're, this is good. Okay, help me out here. And so the mom just says, I'm glad you shared, you know, how you're feeling and those fears. That's good. Um, there's more things you need to think about than just the things you just mentioned. Um, but you need to remember that uh, God made darkness as well as daytime. So it's good. He made it. You may not be able to see in the dark, but God can see clearly, just as clearly in the dark 
uh, as in the daytime. His sight is perfect. And that I may leave you, the mom says, uh, but the Lord never does. He is the good shepherd. He stands with you. He cares for you all night long. And uh, those are the three truths that the book kind of circles around and tries to remind the daughter of. Mm. And that's a really cool thing about your book is – when you're going there and getting in, them into deep conversations, sometimes as parents, we want to have those deep conversations on our time. And it kind of turns into, and, I, and I'm saying this because I am brilliant at this, <laughs> at <laughs> going into the, the lectures and, you know, wanting to have these God conversations on my time mm-hmm. rather than on your time. And I love that how you say that the little girl's asking and having those conversations, you know, I, I just remember so often I'd been up since four 30 in the morning. I was really big and, and working out in the morning and then going to work. And now you're exhausted. And that 30 minutes that it takes to get them into bed and you know, you're in negotiations with them on how to brush your teeth. Oh, you know, do you want this toothpaste or this toothpaste just to get them in the just mindset? Take the of, toothpaste, please. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're giving him a bath, you're reading him that bedtime story, and you're really not truly present. You know, you're giving him that kiss goodnight. And uh, that is when they're ready to talk and have those conversations. So uh, if I could look back, if I could go, you know, if I could turn back time, which, you know, I always say no regrets. it's, It's just the way it is. But in giving, you know, advice to our listeners, I would say be ready and be present for this time. Um, That is some of the best conversations. And I think the biggest thing is finding out what scares them and makes them scared of sleeping. I was so big on just getting them back into their own room (laughs) (laughs) that you're not wanting to have a conversation, but in the, in the long run, it's really going to to help you to not assume you know what scares your child. Ask them. And that's when I think you can get into some of the deep conversations and start talking about scripture, start talking about these, you know, truths that you're that you're you know mentioning here. So what other things that can really help in this bedtime battle with the bedtime fears? When when you're saying go go deep into the conversations. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, these conversations, as you know, all parents will tell you, these are just a portion of the conversations. You know, there's conversations on the way to school. There's conversations around the breakfast table, conversations around the dinner table, conversations about homework, conversations, you know, about what we're watching on television as a family. There's conversations all the time. And so these these can't be, and they really aren't in in almost every family. They're not going to be the extent of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So when in the context of this wider framework of child and parent talking back and forth, there's a mutual understanding of what's going on. And you may know, like, okay, in this conversation, uh, this child stalls because they want to stay up and have fun, you know? (laughs) And so that might be the time to say, you know what, we're going to talk about this in the morning. And then don't forget, be sure and talk about it then, you know, or it could be that this is a God ordained moment to have that conversation, even though, like you said, you're tired uh, because you know the timing is right and you know their heart is ready to hear. And, um, you know, I've had conversations with children in my home, again, nameless, that, you know, it's bedtime and the child says, 
you know, I hear people say that we should get saved or that we should ask Jesus into our heart or that we should uh, become a Christian or that we should give our lives to Jesus. I don't know. Which is it? And I'm like, wow, that that is a great conversation. You know, you can't even cue it up any better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, OK, yeah, there's there's different ways of saying something. Some of them are better phrased than others biblically. Uh, but here's the reality that all those phrases are pointing toward. And so, I mean, it just depends on the child. It depends on the situation. Uh, and only a parent is going to know the right time and the right thing to go deep with their kids. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, we just talked about like making sure you ask them what they're afraid of. And, you know, like you're saying now all of a sudden they want some theological, you know, response from you, right. When you're exhausted and there's, this is a great time for conversations. And, but, uh, I, I remember with, with mine, um, asking her what she was afraid of and, one of the things I had, you know, Googled where it was like, do not support like your child's imaginative creatures. So in other words, <laughs> um, saying, you know, I'll destroy the creature, you know, like what, what's in the closet and then opening up the closet and, you know, having a bat and saying, okay, the monster's gone, like confirms to your child that that <laughs> creature does exist. And then it delays the bedtime rather than providing comfort. Mm. But what was interesting was that, um, for mine, hers was, you know, demons and she had been to church camp and they, and a, <laughs> one of the leaders got into this whole, you know, spiritual warfare, which goes into the theological questions and what scripture has to say. And yes, demons are real. And we went through years of this. And I had to really battle, is this, okay, God, does she have this discernment where she, you know, does feel the evil presence? I, I, I just really struggled. What, mm-hmm. what would you say to, to this kind of conversation? Cause it would come out consistently at night. And even, you know, just, we would pray, we would talk about it. We would, you know, look up scripture and which didn't help, <laughs> you know, when you have, crazy demonic guy in the, you know, in the, at the gravesite, you know, you mm-hmm. some of the stories, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, let's ignore that one. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> because, you know, as much as we, as an adult where, you know, you know, Hey, Jesus dealt with this and he's stronger, just his name alone. I would, I would tell her, even if you're laying there, just start saying Jesus, you know, that his name is so powerful and, and scripture is sharper than, than any two edged sword. You know, you'd go through all of that, mm-hmm. but then you'd go back to, okay, I heard something. And uh, so what would be your advice for there, champ? Yeah, well, thank you yeah. for the uh, the the softball question there. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think it's going to yeah yeah. Uh, and uh, just a, a disclaimer: there's nothing about demonic oppression in the kids' book, so uh, this is uh, nothing to fear here, parents. Um, but I will say that. You know, I think part of this is going to depend on what is your view of uh, how, you know, the demonic forces are at work in the world today. So there's lots of different views about how the scripture uh, describes their their activity. 
uh, had their activity in the lives of believers. So I think as parents, you know, we've got to be theologians and be faithful and guiding our children to what is real in this world, uh, according to God's word. So I've, I would say, first of all, start there. And that's kind of the biblical way of doing things, right? So we all know that passage. I mean, as parents, we know the passage in Deuteronomy 6, where it says, when you're walking by the way, and when you're, you know, getting up and in the minivan, or, you know, whatever it actually says, uh, talk to your children about the ways of the Lord. But what is so important is that it doesn't start there. It starts with the the Lord is one. The Lord your God is one. So there's a theological statement, and then it calls for a uh, a heart loyalty that matches that theological assertion. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and you shall talk about it with your children. So as parents, it's really not enough for us just to be the counsel givers. We've got to be, first of all, theologians ourselves studying what is true about God, what is true of his word, and then lovers of God, not just know, not just knowing things about him. And so when those first two things are in place, when we are seeking the Lord in his word, and when we're loving the Lord with all our heart, then, then we're ready to have conversations about the topics that come up. So I would say, first of all, as parents, let's do our homework and let's do our heart work first. And then I would say, you know, I don't know, a lot of times fears, uh, they're irrational. Uh, that fears are the almost uncontrollable. Like, uh, I mean, if my child, if my daughter were walking down the hallway in the dark and I was hiding, lurking in one of the bedroom doors and she walked past, I jumped out and made a scary noise. Uh, she would be afraid and it wouldn't necessarily be sinful. Uh, maybe, maybe sinful on my part. Uh, but you know, <laughs> it's not that I need to immediately quote a scripture to her, like her body's responding in fight or flight mode, uh, just physiologically. And so sometimes there are stimuli that happen, uh, because of our imagination or because of who knows what in our, in our, uh, in our bodies that to say, don't be afraid. It's like telling my daughter, okay, calm down. It's like, well, you just scared the daylights out of me. So, you know, you're telling me to calm down. Um, so I think there's some comp, we, we can't always imagine that the things we're going to say to them at the bedside is immediately going to take away all, um, heart patterns and all, um, you know, fearful thoughts, but, um, we can try. We can mm-hmm. pray. We can pray. Uh, we can remind them of what God's word says. We can say it together. We can model some of what it says when the Lord says, I will be with you, that we don't just give them a little lesson and then leave the room. Maybe we climb into bed with them and we stay with them until they're asleep. Uh, these are things I think the Lord does for us. Mm-hmm. So, And then I think I would capitalize on daytime hours. So how are you preparing for this nighttime pattern? during the day. We're going to do a study on this passage or that passage together. Uh, And so then when you're talking at night, you can draw on things you've already been discussing when the fears weren't as strong. Mm, That's awesome. I love capitalize on the the daytime hours. And I will say uh, for our listeners out there that uh, now my youngest, she, she is in college and, um, like you said, when you're continuously, I love how you said, do your homework, do your heart work. Um, I believe that for whatever reason, just like God promises us when we are leaning in it, he uses everything for good. And I, I believe in her situation, that was her way of seeking the Lord mm-hmm. and and really diving into what, what, what do I believe and what is my faith and what what will happen here um, if I keep focusing on, you know, the, the darkness and just really diving into scripture where he is the light. And um, 
I I personally think that that made her relationship, you know, with, with Jesus stronger. So Mm. for those of you who are in that place where it's like, okay, I can't handle it. I want my sleep. I don't care (laughs) anymore. Uh, and, and I also, like you said, sometimes, you know, um, modeling that God says, you know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You might have to crawl into bed with him. And I know for me, as much as all the, you know, as much as you can Google, it says, don't let them come into your room. Um, I let her, she had a pallet under my bed and she, mm-hmm. she pulled it out and she slept on the floor and I just wanted her to know there's a safe place for you. And I will, you know, my husband, and I, we are here for you. Just like you said, God is always there for you. But sometimes they want that physical, you know, human being that is there to represent that and to, to model that. And it, it worked for me, not saying it would work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just, you, you do want them to be in a safe place. But I, I really like how you said capitalize on that in the daytime mm-hmm. hours. And, and with that, I just have a fun question for you. What were you scared of as a child? (laughs) Yeah. So these are good memories now. Um, I won't be able to sleep tonight. Um, I remember being scared that there were snakes down in the bottom of my bed by my feet. Mm -hmm. And my mom came in and my dad and pulled the sheets back and what if they were gone? You know, so that's that's I remember that. Uh, I remember being pretty terrified of taking a fish off a hook when we were out fishing, because if you didn't do it just right, the fish was going to fin you and stick you in the hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And that Mm -hmm. potential for um, surprise and pain uh, as a even a 10 year old, I was like, I am not going to do that. Uh, and I think I was even in middle school when maybe I would take the garbage out to the streets and, you know, it's dark, it's the night before the trash truck comes and the, the trip between the street and back to the house in the dark, I just had in my imagination, like someone's in the bushes and they're going to jump out and get me. And so, uh, you know, at that point, I'm not walking back to the house. I'm running <laughs> back to the house, ready to clobber someone if they jump at me. Uh, so, yeah, those things come to mind. Yeah. You you just brought up a really funny memory because I didn't do well at night. And at, at one point, there were, I'm the baby of six kids. And my, my sister was put in charge of all of us one night. And we were doing the dishes. And we had to return a bowl to one of the neighbors down the street. And so she asked me to go do it. It's dark outside. So I have my brother go with me. And as we're walking, we're kind of trying to scare each other. I was probably like 10 and he was 12. And we, in the midst of this, I see a man laying in the driveway. I can kind of see his white shirt. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's a mummy. There's like a dead man in the driveway at at our our next to our neighbor and we freaked out and we, as we got closer it really was a human being in the driveway and so we ran and we told my sister and she was like you guys quit messing around because we were always scaring her you know we, we yeah. would be creeping up on her all the time we would jump out of the closet so finally she's like okay enough it was the little boy who who cried wolf right mm-hmm. and we're like no we can't bring the bull back to the neighbor you know? And so finally, she's like, if I go tell mom and you guys are messing with me, we're going to be in so much trouble. And finally, we we all went. And sure enough, he had passed out. He'd gotten out of his car. He was so intoxicated. <laughs> he had just oh, passed out there in the driveway. 
So that was one of those things that stayed with me at night because, you know, you have the, the visual of that. Oh, it's terrifying. It, it is. It's so bad. It, it's just funny what, um, you know, your brain will do that fight, flight, freeze, you know, mode. <laughs> and I, I this is something that's horrible, horrible that I will admit to right now, just just to you and some of our, you know, hundreds, thousands of closest friends here on the radio. But uh, I thought it would be really I don't even know how it started. But when you said snakes, how old were you when you were afraid of the snakes in your bed? Oh, five, six, probably. Okay, All right. Well, my kids were a little bit older, (laughs) but I thought it was fun. Uh, there was a rubber snake and it would go around my house. We would put it underneath the pillows. We'd put it in uh, sleeping bags. We would put it, you know, when the girls would have their friends spend the night, it would, like you this. know, it would just show up. And so they would put it back to me. You know, they would put it in my closet. They would put it in my shoes. It was just this rubber snake that just kind of made its its rounds. <laughs> and finally, my my daughter, she goes into this is my my older daughter. Uh, she goes to work uh, and, as an intern, and so she's, you know, being an adult now in her professional job. There is a snake by her desk in her cubicle, and she thinks that her mom was trying to fake her out and had her work, <laughs> her co-workers <laughs> with the snake in her cubicle. So she doesn't think anything of it. She's like, oh, for Pete's sake, mom, are you kidding me? This is like my professional place of work and you are over here messing with me. It's her first week there. So she goes in to like kind of get the snake and it lunges. Thank goodness it wasn't venomous, but it was a real snake in her cubicle. And, uh, you know, talk about your your body can't catch up with your brain and your brain can't catch up with your body. The rest of the day, it messed with her. And she was like, what What mom messes with a child her entire life to the point where (laughs) she sees a snake and it's real? (laughs) But I was like, "Okay, God has a sense of humor, because what are the odds? I mean, my entire life, I have not seen a real snake inside of a workplace. So funny, funny (laughs) stories, right? (laughs) Bad you didn't have that on video. I mean, the YouTube uh, would be incredible, viral. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she screamed bloody murder. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, most people would respond a little quicker than, okay, I'm going to go pick up the snake because I think my mom planted it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's horrible, horrible. Okay, so with that, um, we kind of talked about those those working conversations into your family daily routines. And do you have any tips for us? We just have a couple minutes before we go into a commercial break. And the reason why I say tips is because it sounds so easy to go, oh, yeah, work these conversations into your family daily routine. I have found that when it's holistically done, just kind of like organically rather than manufactured, um, it's so much nicer than when you go, okay, kids, we're going to sit down and do our Bible study, you know? (laughs) It's like mm-hmm. it worked when they were five, not so much when they were 10. So what what are some of the, I don't know, a tip in in doing that and making those conversations take place? So I'm actually going to answer a different question than you asked, but it's going to okay. drive at the same thing. And that would be kids are not necessarily going to remember. None of us do. None of us remember the things that our teachers or our parents taught us. What we really remember is what they were passionate about. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we're not there just to be the truth police or the behavior police. 
We're there to be environmentalists. And what I mean by that is we are there to shape an environment that corresponds with God's reality so that, um, you know, there's a certain behaviors that are just not appropriate because they just don't fit this environment. And that's the, and we are there to communicate with our lives and our priorities, what is real in this world and what is important in this world. And we're talking about God's world, right? And so it's, there are tips, there's a place for tips. And I'm sure if we sat down, we could come up with half a dozen um, great questions we could ask our kids on the way back from school or on the way to the grocery store. Uh, But Really, what is the message and the environment that our lives and our priorities are communicating to our kids? Because that's what they're going to pick up. That's what they're going to carry with them. And so I would say, let's put our emphasis there. And I think then the questions just will flow. Mm, mm. That's so significant, especially the um, what you are passionate about. Um, I I, I really want to come back to that after um, we go on this commercial break. So we will be right back. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It with Patty Wyatt, your host today. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The Mayo Clinic says that a healthy adult should have 2,300 milligrams of salt a day. Did you know that if you had four pieces of pork bacon this morning, you have already ingested over 1,000 milligrams of sodium? If you chose turkey bacon and only had three slices, you have already had over 1,140 milligrams of sodium. It's been reported that because of the drought, high feed prices, and other problems, we will be facing a shortage of bacon in the coming years. Even though bacon is one of America's favorite foods, it is loaded with sodium and saturated fat. The American Heart Association recommends reducing your consumption of saturated fats or replacing them with unsaturated fat choices. Choose to eat fresh fruit, yogurt, and whole grains for breakfast and skip the bacon. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, we are back and we are talking about those those fun times at night when you're trying to put your kids to bed and uh, they really don't want you to turn out those lights and they're in that scary 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 mode uh, so how do we as parents comfort and encourage our little ones at bedtime and we're talking with award-winning author champ thornton as he has written why do we say good night and champ we were talking um before we went into the commercial break about 
being passionate, you know, having that, that time where you're, you're talking and adding these conversations daily into our routine. And it's not about the when or the where or, um, how we do it. It's truly about our passion. So I just wanted to go a little bit deeper into that. Like what, what does happen? Um, how do, how do they see our passion? I don't know. You were doing a better job explaining it rather than me asking it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, so I think this just challenges all of us to think about, you know, what what do our kids see us uh, prioritizing in our life, right? So if we're not spending time with the Lord, or if they're not aware of it, uh, or if we're not thinking about the things of the Lord in conversations, but man, we sure are excited about, you know, this traveling sports team. Or we're really excited about, you know, our kids' extracurricular uh, club or whatever the particular interest might be, or our own priorities or our own hobbies, if the Lord is just an extra for us. I mean, as parents, we're always teaching, right? That's the deal. We're always teaching, whether we mean to or not. We're always saying something about God. And we're either saying he's not important or we're saying he is the most important person in the universe. And so uh, I think as parents, it's good to have like good questions to ask our kids, uh, maybe uh, some tips, some some strategies, some tactics for knowing how to, to draw them out and to find out where they are and to point them to the Lord. But our whole lives are pointing them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in your book, as you, um, you, you kind of are, are going through the whole process of, of saying goodnight and having that be like a, a nightly routine. Um, will you expand on that? Well, like what are some of your nightly routines that your family participated in to where they can see your passion, uh, uh, your passion for Jesus? Like what is, is it that causes our hearts not to fear? Yeah, that's that's a great question. In fact, I, I, let me do this before I get to that question. I want to okay. add something to the previous question, and that would be that sometimes the things that we're teaching our kids, we teach them how to repent. We teach them by saying, I was wrong. I mean, this happened just this morning. For me, I had to go to one of my kids and say, you know what? That attitude I had, I was grumpy. Dad treated you poorly. Please forgive me. I was wrong. So I wish I could say that I, I do that all the time. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, I think as parents, it ought to be a regular part of our lives that um, being passionate about Jesus doesn't just mean that we're right. Sometimes being passionate about Jesus means that we're the first ones to repent in our home. So I, I, it's it's not a matter of uh, perfect parents. That's really hard for me because I am perfect. And just <laughs> thing. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'll repent when I need to, right? So I think with some of the patterns and routines um, at our in our family, we tr- we I try to keep the bar low, if I can say it that way. In other words, I'm I don't want to say to parents, you should be having your Bible time with your kids thirty minutes a day, six days or seven days a week. Why don't we say, how about five minutes, three days a week? Start mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. And keep it simple. Open up to, let's go to Psalm 1, all right? I'm going to read one verse, then we're all going to say it together, and then we're going to talk about it, we're going to ask questions about it, and then we're going to see what we need to pray for, and we're going to pray, and we're done in about five and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, go to verse 2. So keep it simple. 
I think it's is really important, but be consistent. And if consistent is, I mean, people are busy. They have stuff going on many nights a week, but can you, can you work in three nights? Find something that works and stick with it. Even if your kids are little, they're two years old, three years old, they're younger, um, they can still be involved. Mm. You know, and when you say even when your kids are younger, uh, we do. You, are you familiar with the Jesse tree at Christmas time? I've heard of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, where you they they unwrap a gift and it it goes through, you know, from creation all the way, you know, to um, when Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. So you know, the the last might be you know a cross, and then it it, it any. Anyway, it goes through the, just the beautiful story. It's called the Jesse tree. And I did that when my kids were teeny tiny toddlers into, mm-hmm. you know, elementary school. And I just thought that was going to be a tradition that we kept on until they were 80 at least. And <laughs> instead it, it's like, I would pull out the Jesse tree. It came with a cute little devotion. I would wrap all the gifts and you would wrap that, you know, you'd unwrap that first day of, of December. And then all of a sudden, the next time I would pull the gift out of the basket, we would be on day 10. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. wait, where did these nine days go? You know, how did this happen? And, oh, no. and it is, it's hard. And so I like that when it's just, you know, five minutes. And that was only supposed to be five minutes. Mm-hmm. But it has to be a part of your pattern and routine, which... It wasn't all of a sudden just to do it in December to make it a part of your your pattern. It does have to be this daily. And I'll be the first one to admit, I thought I would be doing those 30-minute Bible studies with my family. And it, it was rare. It, it did not happen. So I'm giving you guys all permission to um, be guilt-free. <laughs> but you ha- you really do need to be living it yeah. and having those conversations. And I, I love that five minutes. And then they will be, I know my son, when he was 11, he made a commitment that I'm going to start doing my, you know, reading the Bible in a year. And he was very consistent with every day sitting there having his bowl of cereal and going through, you know, he was encouraging to me and inspired me and modeled it to where it was like, oh, okay, this is awesome. So it's just, it's interesting. I, you, you really do have to have that that pattern. Yeah. And one of those patterns, I think with the kids, like you mentioned, your son is, you know, I, as a dad, I'm actually more interested that we have two 10 year olds and a 15 year old, we have twins and and a 15 year old. And, uh, even our 10 year olds, and even a few years ago when they were younger, I really want them to have, even if it's two minutes each morning or most school mornings in some sort of Bible book or a Bible comic book. I mean, it can be really, um, it can be really simple and really not very deep at all, but they get this routine where now it's part of their lives. If they leave the house and they have a routine, now when they're 18, they're going to be reading differently uh, by virtue of their age. But if that routine starts as younger age, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, tell us um, a little bit about what you're you're working on. What's next? A little bit about, I know you have a new release, Radically Different. What what created that? What inspired you to do this book? Yeah, so Radically Different is a 13-week study for middle schoolers and young teens to talk about relationships, community. And 
it's basically a worldview book where I want them to look at relationships through the lenses of creation, fall, and redemption, or good, bad, and new. So, for example, one week we look at parents. So my kids need to know that mom and dad are good because we're made in God's image. They need to know that we're fallen and sinful because of of the fall. And they need to know that their relationship with us as parents is different because of Jesus. He has redeemed even the parenting-child relationship in a very special way. And so all relationships you can look at through these three lenses, good, bad, and new. In fact, not just relationships. They can look at sports and tech and anything in life through the lenses of good, bad, and new. If you leave one of those out, you're not going to have a correct view of anything in the world God has made. So that's what Radically Different is all about. And currently, I'm working on uh, a, a follow-up to the Radical Book for Kids. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. It, it's funny when you talk about good, bad, and new. Uh, I just recently had a conversation. I work with young adults that, that are college and above, and they were talking about they had gone with a friend to a, a Catholic retreat and how they went through the Ten Commandments. Um, and so, you know, thou shalt not lie. And they would look, look at that and go, huh. Okay, thou shalt not lie. When was the last time you were deceitful? And it had a, f- a few questions there. Well, what I found interesting is that this this group, there were quite a few of them that did not know the Ten Commandments. And that just seemed, you know, when you were raised in a Christian home, you're just very much aware of the Ten Commandments. And I thought in, in churches today, we're not really diving in. And I don't mean this as a, let's throw the churches under the bus, but... <laughs> It was just interesting to me that they did not know the Ten Commandments. Mm. And if you don't know what rules, and I get it, it's all about grace, and that's Mm. why Jesus died for us. He loved us so much because, you know, now it's not about those rules. But if you don't know the rules, when you say the good, the bad, and the new, um, you don't know why we have grace. If everything Mm. is just okay with what we do, and all of a sudden it just hit me. Oh man, we're not even, they, they don't even know as we're watching the culture, you know, with, I know, you know, dropping the F bomb. Hey, that's cool. Uh, let's go get trash. Hey, that's cool. Hey, you know, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm over here watching this going, okay, wait, what does scripture have to say about this? But if we're just, oh, this is the way the culture is, the the scripture is just that was for the culture back then Mm. and not even knowing, you know, the commandments. I just thought that was really interesting. So that's really cool that you're you're talking about that. The creation, the fall and redemption, because often we don't even know what the gospel is. Yeah. I mean, if you look at anything in this world without one of those lenses, you're just not going to be looking at it correctly, right? Mm -hmm. So if my kids think of mom and dad as great and they love Jesus even more than mom and dad, but they forget that mom and dad are sinners, it's going to they're going to have a problem. You know, they're going to mess up. Uh, If they think about their friends and uh, maybe there's an annoying person, you know, in their circle of friends and they forget that person is made in the image of God Mm. and Jesus died for them. You know, they're not going to have the right view of their friend. So uh, these three lenses of creation, fall, redemption are good, bad, and new. Uh, They serve all of us well to understand uh, reality. Mm hmm. I just, I have to go back. Mama is not a sinner. Just, I, I keep telling you how perfect I am, champ, but keep going back to that. End. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, um, 
I also want to say junior high, you said this is the yes. radically different is for so whoa. I mean, that is that is awesome. We need to be focusing on that age. I feel like junior high is when all things changed in my lens Mm -hmm. where I I really realized I went from, you know, getting the citizenship award in sixth grade to it's it's okay to, you know, experience with whatever words can come out of my mouth at that time when I started getting very snarky with my with my mom and dad. Uh, what are you noticing here as you're writing this radically different? Are, are you in this place of, okay, wow, this culture, because they're saying Gen Z, this next culture is amazing and they're going to change our world radically. And, and I'll give you an example. What I just heard recently, because I'm getting ready to teach this next week. An example would be, you know, right now the culture is saying we want this gender, you know, neutral gender to be able to use the bathrooms. Gen Z is saying we don't care who uses the bathroom. We just want to conserve the water. <laughs> so what? What we're like making a big issue about? They are just like, yeah, whatever. So we have one minute. What's your big? You know, explain all the differences in culture and generations in in 60 seconds. So or less. Uh, No problem. Uh, I would say that if you took like uh, if you drew a circle for each uh, generation, you know, millennials, Gen Z, Gen X and uh, even other cultures around the world. And you sort of made this big Venn diagram and, you know, what was lying outside of what those circles where they were overlapping was what was unique to those particular generations or cultures, I think what we'd find is that there's a significant overlap where that Venn diagram is, is what the Bible is talking about. We're sinners. We're made in the image of God. Jesus died for sinners. And I think we stay on message. That's going to be what they need to hear too. All right. Perfect ending right there. Thank you for listening to Girlfriend. And thank you so much, Champ, for being on the show today. Great to be with you, Patty. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show to 